Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Bill impacted my life by just um, listening to me and coming to visit me and pouring into me and pouring the love of Christ into me. Um, He is a huge mentor in my life from outside. Also had some incredible mentors inside of prison who are other incarcerated guys who were never getting out of prison, who were able to share love, joy, and peace that they had in the midst of their circumstances, which, you know, if we're looking at it from a worldly perspective, when I saw them, I'm like, man, they're worse off than me, but they're way happier than me. Why? Yeah. And and so they really mentored me in that way by just showing me what it looked like to live as a follower of Christ. Matt Moeller is Pastor Paul's guest today on Life Support, talking about the challenges that the incarcerated have in trying to acclimate themselves to our society. Matt is recently released from incarceration himself and has a wealth of information on how all of us can learn to better come alongside those who need our guidance. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, we're so glad to have you on Life Support, where we tell stories and we love to point to Jesus because he can redeem lives. And uh, we have a life that's been redeemed and a man that's going to tell that story with us right now. His name is Matt Muller, and Matt's been with us before. Matt, so good to have you. Yeah, thank you. So glad to be here again. Thanks. Thanks so much. Um, you told uh, an amazing story of of how you were redeemed uh, while in prison and yeah. now how your life has begun to take a different shape. Um, just do a quick recap kind of of where uh, this whole journey started back when you were in high school. Yeah, so 17 years old, I was sentenced to uh, 20 years in, in prison in Minnesota um, and met Jesus in in prison or in jail, you know, led to led to Christ through going to a a, a jail service, prison uh, church service by being offered donuts. So um, met Jesus there, gave my heart to the Lord. Took some years for me to really fully surrender, but once I did, God just lit a fire in my life that um, to reach the lost and brought great people alongside me along the journey that have helped me both while I was in prison and now after being out a year. Yeah, um, I can see that passion in you. And by the way, I'm pretty sure that the early church grew because of donuts. Yeah, I think that's probably It's not explicitly it written about <laughs> in the Bible, but there's no doubt in my mind the donuts and coffee were out um, from day one. Absolutely. And I'll probably get struck by lightning as I'm walking to my car later. Um, Matt, you had talked about um, while you were uh, in prison and you're kind of just mulling over the fact that you were losing some you know, your 20s and Thirty, you know, part of your thirties, and then some people started coming into your life. And uh, what happened, and what did that mean to you that someone was willing to invest in you? Yeah, yeah, it meant a lot. I mean, to have someone, you know, as my mom and dad were always there um, for me through the entire court proceedings, through my entire time, and and really have great family support, and they were there, and that meant a lot. Um, it really did. Um, but also to have the support of people who never knew me before that. I'm, you know, and I, I, I spoke previously about um, my friend and mentor Bill, who, you know, I had never met him before. All he knew about me was that I was a 17 year old kid who was in prison for second degree murder. That's it. That's all he knew. 
Um, but he knew my grandma and he liked her. And so, um, they, you know, Bill impacted my life by just, um, listening to me and coming to visit me and pouring into me and pouring the love of Christ into me. Um, he is a huge mentor in my life from outside. Also had some incredible mentors inside of prison who are other incarcerated guys who were never getting out of prison, who were able to share love, joy, and peace that they had in the midst of their circumstances, which, you know, if we're looking at it from a worldly perspective, when I saw them, I'm like, man, they're worse off than me, but they're way happier than me. Why? Yeah. And, and so they really mentored me in that way by just showing me what it looked like to live as a follower of Christ behind bars. You know, a lot of times we talk about mentorship in churches and, uh, it scares people because I think they have in their minds a programmatic view where, you know, I've got to lead somebody through a workbook or I have to, you know, do this particular thing or that. But um, really, isn't it just more they come and, and they they help, yeah. they listen, they kind of guide you where you need to go? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think that's it. I think it's, uh, it's simply it's... I, I believe it's called ministry of presence, right? Just ministry of, of being there. Yeah. Um, and and Bill was that for me as being a mentor. We we never did a workbook. We never did a curriculum. We never had – he never had an agenda for me. We never had – he just was, was a friend like anyone else would be. You know, he, he came to visit me. We would talk about sports. We would talk about life. We'd talk about faith. We'd talk about the Bible, um, all those things. Um, and, and that's what it was. That was him being a mentor to me, uh, was simply showing me how to live as a Christian by coming to visit two hours at a time. You know, uh, some, sometimes he'd come once a month, other times it'd be every, you know, two or three months when he could get up, but it, but it varied, but it was always consistent. We'd talk Mm -hmm. on the phone, write letters, whatever it would be. But, um, he was just like there and just like a good genuine person. So I would think like mentor because I learned from him, but I think bigger than that, just friend mm-hmm. um, was, was you know, Bill, who, who what Bill was and what he still is. And me. the consistency part of it that you mentioned um, is probably really important too, right? You, you, learned to, you learned to depend on the fact that he did, really did care. And yeah. that probably took a little while to build that trust. But then once you figured it out, it was there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely for everyone, and and um, you know there was other people that came alongside me, like uh, my pastor Joel and and another pastor named Brian that they they came alongside me too and really helped me through that time. Um, yeah, building that consistency and just really being there and not like I think too an important thing is I I felt that it wasn't that they were interested in wanting to mentor and be my friend simply just because I was like some hard up case who was in prison. That wasn't, that wasn't necessarily the case. It was just, they saw, they saw a young man who was in a tough spot and who, who, you know, just needed friendship, companionship, uh, you know, um, direction. And so they offered. Where would you be right now? Do you think without those guys? Yeah, I don't, I mean, probably in a less hopeful situation. I mean, I, you know, um, it's, it's hard to look and just say exactly where, where my life would, would go in that. Um, but I know that like the amount of like hope and inspiration and just kind of like ability to move forward. And also like just that assurance and the fact that like, you know, people got your back, like you can, 
you can be a little more confident in your decisions and knowing that that like you know hey i got i got some people that got my back i got some mentors that got my back i got you know some friends and and that so i think i was able to better fully settle into my faith i know for sure um and and really kind of take a leap in certain areas um knowing that i have a group of people that support me Right. And I would assume that's really important when you are released, too, because mm-hmm. isn't there a danger of your faith becoming kind of situational because you're in this difficult spot and then all of a sudden you're free to make all these choices? Yeah. That has to be kind of a dangerous uh, dangerous place to be at times. For sure. And I think just re- reconnecting to, like, what my rhythm of faith is on the outside was, was just a tough thing Yeah, a completely general. different world. Yeah. For sure, because, mm-hmm. you know, in prison we have one of the one of the great commodities we have is time. Uh, it's uh, uh, the amount of time to read the Bible, to get silent time, to get prayer time, to do that. I could operate that in prison. I knew that schedule. Mm-hmm. But when you get out and you, you now you have a job and you have all these things competing for your attention and competing for your time, it's like, where does that fit in? And we almost... Um, I know, like, one of the things that I was doing when I first got out was saying, like, okay, how am I going to fit the Bible into all this, right? How am I going to fit my faith into all these things going on when really it had to be the other way around? Like, my faith has has to inform all of my decisions and how do these mm-hmm. other things fit into that? So being able to lean on, you know, guys like Bill or my pastor Joel or other um, guys who I've known that have been released for a number of years who have established that rhythm and ask them, what did they do, you know? Um, ask him, you know, just learning from from Bill. How does his faith inform his life every day? Uh, and and learning that and being able to kind of establish those rhythm, rhythms in my life have been huge. Pastor Paul will be back with Matt in just a minute. On the Life Support Podcast, uncomfortable topics like this one are discussed. It's about trauma. And if you'd like to dig deeper and learn how you can better come alongside those who suffer, please log on to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. All resources are offered at no cost to you, and all you have to do is register. And now back to Pastor Paul. When you get out and you, you now you have a job and you have all these things competing for your attention and competing for your time, it's like, where does that fit in? And we almost... Um, I know, like, one of the things that I was doing when I first got out was saying, like, okay, how am I going to fit the Bible into all this, right? How am I going to fit my faith into all these things going on when really it had to be the other way around? Like, my faith has has to inform all of my decisions and how do these mm-hmm. other things fit into that? So being able to lean on, you know, guys like Bill or my pastor Joel or other um, guys who I've known that have been released for a number of years who have established that rhythm and ask them, what did they do, you know? Um, ask him, you know, just learning from from Bill. How does his faith inform his life every day? Uh, and and learning that and being able to kind of establish those rhythm, rhythms in my life have been huge. You had also shared that uh, there came a time when they were transferring you to a different facility, and uh, you had kind of gotten used to life in in one place. You kind of developed your friendships and and your faith, and all of a sudden. You, they're moving you, and I loved how you talked about that you saw it as a, a mission-sending yeah. opportunity. And you don't hear people talk like that very often. Many many times, uh, guys who are in and get transferred are, you know, they're they're kind of thinking, how is this going to affect me? And, and you, you took a different tact on that. What, what were you thinking about your passion for the lost at that point? Yeah, I think that um, for me it just became like, 
you know, when I was when I was in a program that like was gearing me up, be you know, going to classes every day with Bible studies and all this stuff was like, it was expected that I would go do those. So when I was transferred to another prison, like I could have easily just went to my room and ate Cheetos for years, you know, and mm-hmm. I could have done that. But that's not what my faith was drawing me to do. It was saying like God's putting me into this place for a reason. Like these people, people are getting placed around me for a reason. So I was able at that point to look. How when I was in Stillwater Prison and, and all of these guys who had more time than me poured into me and I was following them. Now all of a sudden here I am 15 years into my sentence in Moose Lake Prison looking behind me and now I have young men who are following my lead because I was the person now who had more time than them who they were learning from. So I really went into this role of, of being a leader almost de facto. Like I didn't, I, it was just, I was, it's one of those situations where if you know you're a leader, look, turn around and see if people are following you. And, and they were. So that's kind of how I was thrust into leadership in that. And then also like, that's what gave me the drive and the purpose to keep going. That it was like, there were people that poured into me. Now it's my turn to pour into people while other people are still continuing to pour into me. And yeah. so it was cyclical in that way. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I think one of Satan's best lies is that you have to be in a particular situation in order to have purpose or in order to be content or happy. And so we wait until the perfect circumstances come around, but they never do because yeah. life isn't perfect. Yep. And here you are in what the we would consider to be you know one of the worst of all situations, and God is still using you. Yeah. And that's something now you've taken even today, right? You haven't been out very long, and you're already – I heard you talking about leading leading guys. Uh, you meet with them. Yeah. So you've taken that right with you now, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. I've been um, you know, blessed to get the opportunity to help lead a, a group of um, – you know, it's a prison reentry breakfast where guys are meeting once a month or getting out and just being able to talk about life, talking about struggles, being able to share victories with each other, support each other. Um that's been that's been huge um, for me, and then also just being able like the one-on-one relationships and the things that I had while I was in prison, the guys that I met who now are getting released, um, you know, just awesome opportunities to pick them up from work release and take them on a shopping trip, or um, you know, help find guys. I coordinated just getting on the phone and help finding guys churches in their areas and stuff like that. Like it's so important. Um, you know, like I said, for me, I had a ton of support. I know other people don't have that support. So I'm looking like, how can I be that, you know, to, yeah. to people in that in that situation? And a lot of that comes, too, with, like, I have to stay prayed up. Like, I have to stay, like, in my personal devotion and my prayer life and that. Like, it has to start with me because I need to get filled up before I can pour out to other people. So there's there's these things going on, too. And I had to establish that first. My first few months of being out, I really just had to establish, like, what do I, what does it look like for Matt Moeller to be living in an adult life in the real world? Because I had never done that before. I was in prison when I was 17. So um, when I established that, then I was able to move forward into some of these other things. And it's like God just brings people to your doorstep, and that's what's happened for me. It was like delayed adulting. Yeah, delayed adulting. Yeah. That's, yeah. Well, I think it was a, de- a delayed adulting, but then also when I was in prison, it was like in a forced adulting because yeah. it was I was put into I was well, put into general. Well, you had to grow fast. Yeah, you? I had to put in general population immediately when I was 17 years old. So um, wow, you yeah. had to learn fast then. Yeah. Um, what are your hopes for the next season of life? Well, I mean, it's hopeful. Um, I, you know, one of the crazy God stories that we probably saved for a whole other podcast was how I met my wife. Um, but 
Um, we got the, time. Yeah. So the quick story is is that you know my mom's a bus driver. Um, my wife is a nurse for a young man who goes to school. So that young man rode my mom's bus. So my mom got to know this nurse whose name is Alyssa. Um, and you know, my mom would talk about me and Alyssa said, well, is, is, is mad into reading the Bible at all? I'm really, I really want to talk to someone about, you know, faith. I don't have anyone to talk about that. And my mom goes, oh yeah, let me ask them if you can write them to which to me it came as, Hey, someone's going to write you a letter. So mom set that whole thing up, which is, which is awesome. So Alyssa and I wrote letters for a full year, just doing Bible study through the mail, never talked on the phone, never anything, just study the Bible. Then started talking on the phone. She came to visit. This was kind of like my last couple of years in prison and going on to work release and the relationship growed. I, I proposed to her and we got married this past May. Um, and it's been awesome. So what's hopeful there is, you know, uh, just having her and, and, and having a wife and having a life on this side of of freedom now. Um, also being able to look forward, God has made so many awesome opportunities. Um, one of them is going to be later this summer with Westwood Church, a church I'm employed at, being able to step into an outreach role there, uh, holding some things with prison ministry, but also discipleship, um, multiplication, mentorship, um, working in that kind of playing into these strengths all these things i did while i was in prison just informally get to take all those skills and all of that and then bring that to the church and serve in that capacity it's that's pretty neat you know um everything i learned have been because of guys that have poured into me i mean the decisions i make here um at the church i pastor the the things that i kind of by instinct do uh, i was just taught by guys that thought that it was worthwhile to pour into me. Yeah. And um, and the guys that poured into you, um, their reward will be not only to watch you uh, grow in Christ, but it'll be all of the um, the legacy that you will leave. And so when we mentor people, sometimes we have a short-range view of that, and we think, well, good, you know, Matt's doing well now, and, and I'm glad about that. But no, Matt's going to reproduce Christians, and then they're going to reproduce Christians, and if we looked ahead 200 years, you know, we'd probably be pretty astounded by mm. by just feeding into one person what that can do. Yeah. And um, sometimes we think, well, it, you know, I'm not a missionary. You know, I can't really be in ministry where I am. And, man, wherever you are, what, you know, if you're at home taking care of your kids, if you're at work, there's people around that need to be fed into. Yeah. And I know you have that passion for those that don't know Christ. Yeah. And yeah. so he put you in those places uh, for a reason, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty cool to see how he's using you. Yeah, And what absolutely. it's done to piece your life back together and so forth, it's pretty cool. Yeah. To me, I mean, one of the things that I, I look at, like, you know, Jesus tells a par- parable of the minas, right, or the talents, these things that he gives out. He gives one, 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 five, one, ten. Yeah. Some multiply it, another buries it in the ground. For me... Um, for me, I look at that parable as applying to my life as a matter of perspective, right? God grants us all with a, a matter of perspective over everything we do in life, the things we've been through, the jobs we've had, you know, the ups, downs. We gain perspective from that. And to me, that is the gift that God gives us to then give away to other people, to multiply. And so um, it was my own decisions that led me to go into prison. I'm not a person who says God sent me to prison. No, I sent myself to prison. Those were my decisions that did that. Mm-hmm. But being able to take that perspective that I gained through that experience, share it with other people, use it to grow the kingdom of God, 
that is that is that parable directly lived out as is the way I look at it in my life. And so I just don't have it in me to bury it in the ground and to say, like, I'm not going to think about prison anymore. I don't think a lot of people would blame me if I did it. Yeah. But I, that's not the way I operate. I've God's given me that. I'm going to use it to grow the kingdom and whatever that looks like. What's the one thing, you know, when you think of released prisoners, everybody gets a little nervous. Yeah. Um, what's the one thing you'd like people to know about about former um, incarcerated folks, whether it be men or women, um, and what they're trying to accomplish as they start their new lives? Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things to realize, and this is some uh, a statistic that was shared, it was kind of an informal thing that was shared to me with one of the counselors in the Prison Fellowship Program, but he talks about the 80-10-10, right? That there's, there's 10% of people that are going to get out of prison, and it really doesn't matter what you do, they're just in the mindset that they're going to go back. They're going to go back to former lifestyles and habits and stuff like that. And there's 10% of people that know really no matter what you do, they're going to be in a good track. They're going to get out and they're going to do well. So there's 80% in between that depending on how things break for them situationally in their life within that first year of getting out really depends on which road they go to success or to failure to go back to what they're at. So I would say that like for those of us, especially in the church, to do what we can to support the men and women who are getting out of prison to find that kind of easier path. It doesn't mean giving people things. It doesn't yeah. mean giving people cars or giving people jobs. Right. But allowing them opportunity to earn those things. What happens is a lot of people get out of prison and there's doors closed in their face just because they have a felony where they could actually end up being some of the, the best workers at their company because when you give a, a man or a woman who's been through that a second chance and you breathe new life into them, mm-hmm. I mean, they want to perform. They want to be, you know, the, the loyalty rates to companies for, for people who reach out and hire formerly incarcerated people, if you look at those numbers, they're very high because, um, you know, just a, a personal story of one of my very good friends. He was he was my roommate in the work release program. He was literally had no – everyone was shutting their door on him to get a job. He finally got a job at this metal uh, uh, factory, like just doing manufacturing. He rode a bike in the snow to that job every wow. day to get there because he had no other way to get there. And he showed up on time and he would stay later and do work. They poured into him. They sent him to school. He's now a shift lead there at this place, and he is, like, super loyal and dedicated to this company because they helped him when he could. Yeah. So, well, they saw something in him that you're not yeah. going to see anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, so that's it. Just reach out and give the chance because people are going to, like, you know, reward that um, that chance that you took. Yeah, because, place. you know, we live in a culture where everything is, you know, people think they deserve stuff, but yeah. – when you find somebody like that, they're genuinely appreciative of having the opportunity. And yeah. and um, having an employee that would ride their bike in the snow to get there on time every day would impress an employer pretty quickly. Yeah. And yeah. they would see a big difference. And I'm guessing it would push the other people that work there, too. Yeah. And they'd be going like, well, I better step it up a bit because, Absolutely. because this guy's riding his bike in the snow and I'm complaining about not having a long enough break at lunch or something <laughs> like that. Um so you're you're married. You're you're gonna get a, a promotion at the church. Um, congratulations for all yeah. of that. It's yeah, really you. really exciting. And then these guys that you're leading um, to help them that must be pretty rewarding for you as well, huh? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Anytime that we can see, a- anytime anything I can do to help someone do it, and I don't. That's not like like raising me up or like dimin- I don't want to diminish the the guys are doing the work. Yeah, just need the opportunity. To be able to go right, so yeah, I just love to be able to pour into to anyone 
with from what I've learned and and for guys to just get out and meet that and and rise to the occasion and some guys it's it's their second third trip out mm-hmm. and they're just done and mm-hmm. and they're like I want to do it and I'm and and God has been the difference in their life because the other times they get out they try to do it themselves well this time finally surrendering it to Christ and say nope I can't do it I don't have it within me but Jesus does and he lives inside of me so I'm going to let him do the work well said. You should be you should be a pastor. You should be uh, preaching on Sundays. You can you got that down. So good to meet you, Matt. And uh, uh, but come by anytime. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. You bet. Um, it's so good to talk with someone who's been in a situation where the Lord has reached out and helped them. And um, you know, we talked about hope. We talked about second chances. And and in Job eleven eighteen. The Bible says, and you will feel secure because there is hope. You will look around and take your rest in security. And Job was, of course, this man who had lost everything um, beyond what we can even imagine. He'd lost his, his family. He'd lost his, his belongings. It happened all at once, you know, over a very short period of time. Job was wise enough, godly enough to get on his knees and worship. And he had questions and the wonderful dialogue he had with God is fascinating. But at the end of the day, um, this idea of being secure, of having hope, um, I want to just encourage you with that because life can be very, very hard and things happen that we're not expecting. We make decisions that we thought we'd never make that sometimes come back to haunt us. But yet God, he knew all of that. And while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And what a wonderful thing that is as a believer. So be encouraged, and I want to thank Faith Radio for having us on KTIS and their platforms, and you can find more of this podcast on MyFaithRadio.com. You can also see a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com, and you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. And thank you so much for listening to Life Support. listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support